Hey. Hello. Hi. Welcome back, Misfits. Welcome back to a new episode. Today we're going to talk about some bad girls. Bad girls. We are. We're going to talk about some bad girls of the Bible. We're going to talk about a couple of women that aren't necessarily uh, the their examples. However, they're not the best examples for us to follow. Right. Um, the what not. Yeah, the, the what not to do's. <laughs> uh, we're going to go through what they did and um, basically how we can learn from them and not necessarily commit the same mistakes that they did because let's face it we're not in biblical times and no. <laughs> some, some of this isn't even possible at this point no. but it's just good stories and interesting stories that we can learn from and at the same time learn from different women in the bible that we may not know um anything about them right yeah right. some of their stories yeah so let's roll so we're kicking it off with good old delilah um she's a little more known i guess uh but if you don't know who she is she was a philistine woman uh and a very successful courtesan which just means she was a prostitute and she uh samson fell in love with her uh samson is in the book of judges so the story is actually in the book of judges chapter 16 and uh samson was a Nazarene um, and so he had gotten a promise from God about his he was one of the strongest if not the strongest uh, from the Old Testament but he met this woman Delilah and he was like oh I love her or at least he thought he loved her um, throughout his life despite um, having or being pretty violent or having a violent past or you know just having kind of that characteristic about him um, the Hebrews actually viewed him kind of as a hero, and since they were trying to find a, a place for themselves in the land uh, that was already occupied by the Canaanites and the Philistines, uh, so he, Samson was kind of like a hero to them during this time. Uh, so some of the Philistine leaders um, had approached Delilah and had actually offered her some money, lots of money actually, uh, to find out his secret, to find out Samson's secret, because they knew he was strong, they knew he had like a, a blessing or a promise uh, of why he was strong, uh, but they didn't know what it was. So they wanted to destroy him um, because he was like beating them up, right? Um, so three times she went to Samson to try to kind of trick him or ask him uh, about the this, this secret. Um, and so he kept kind of like, like uh, dodging her questions and like giving her different things. And she would like try the things that he said, but they didn't work, like, they didn't take away his strength. So she was like acting all like, oh, you're lying to me and you don't really love me, whatever. Uh, but eventually he told her what the strength was and that it uh, resided in his hair, that hair is the, what gave him the strength. She wore him down. She finally, you know, after asking and asking, being a, being a nag, I guess, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, fine. He's like, okay, I'll tell you the truth. Um, and it had never been cut for that reason. And so that's where his uh, strength from. So what did Del Delilah do? Uh, she, she cut it. Um, she cut his hair and took away that strength. Um, and so therefore she, you know, he couldn't be strong anymore. He wasn't strong. So why did she do it? Um, she, like we said, uh, or like I said earlier, she was a prostitute. So it's kind of implied that she was or he was her customer and since I mean she was getting paid to be with him or whatever but she would be, get paid more if she did this for the Philistines Philistines um she was like after the money and so because she would get paid more money therefore she can leave this life that she was leading 
Uh, so she was willing to do whatever. She didn't really care about him. She was focused on the money. Uh, so she let them know what the secret was um, and then had them come in and cut off his hair. And so because he didn't, without his hair, um, he didn't have his strength. Uh, so he was very easily overpowered after that. And so the Bible even says that the Lord had left him because since that was part of what the Lord had given him, without it, it was, um, he had kind of given up that uh, blessing or that that thing that God had given him. Uh, so she was very kind of sneaky and very manipulative and wanted to get her way. Um, so what we learned from this is we learned that God can use even even in the even in the wicked um, as well as the righteous like to accomplish his will. Like um, if you read the rest of the story of Samson, you find out um, that even though he did this um, and despite of what Delilah did to him, he still returned to God later on and he was able to, to fulfill a purpose. Uh, so God can still use um, your life and use things that might happen for bad, like maybe, maybe other people who do things to you or have, have wrongdoings. Um, that doesn't keep God's promise or God's fulfillment um, in someone's life. So over Samson and during this time, like he had a purpose and God had already given him that. So even though Delilah tried to come in and take that away from him, he came back to God and so God still fulfilled it. Uh, so just being careful with your greed and all that because that's what she was focused on. Yes. Okay, so the next one we're gonna talk about is Jezebel. And I think um, this is a common name and if you, if you don't know the story, it's still a common name um, mm -hmm. from the Bible and you know that some, some many know that it's a Bible character. Um, and then she appears in 1 Kings. Born to power, she was the daughter of a king. Um, so she was a princess from a rich city of Sidon where um, her father ruled. She married the young prince Ahab and um, he later becomes famous as a warrior king of Israel. Though she was a queen of Israel, she stayed loyal to Baal, god of storms and water. And Baal is one of the ones that, um, he's one of the gods that the Israelites um, worshipped when they were doing this whole on on again, off again thing with, with right. God. When yeah. they weren't worshipping God, they'd yeah. somehow fall back to Baal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because he was just like the god of that area, I guess. Yeah, um, he's popular. So she was serving Baal. And then uh, Jezebel's father in Sidon, so he was an absolute monarch. And of course, because she's the princess, she just thought that whatever her father said was, was the law and was what everyone was supposed to be doing. But this was not the Israelite way. So there was an incident, and this is the situation that happens where we see um, basically where, where everything goes down. So mm -hmm. there was an incident where her husband Ahab needed a plot of land, but the owner, Naboth, he wouldn't sell it. Jezebel wasn't used to this, and she saw it as um, this man being insubordinate to her father, the king. So she decided to do something about it. She arranged the merger of Naboth, and then took the land, which now belonged to the king. So killed the guy, took the land. Right. She's like, no, we do what we want around here. So because of her position as a princess, she didn't doubt that she was within her rights of doing what, what she just did about arranging this guy's murder and then just taking his land. Yeah, so she's like, I'm course, justified for it. Yeah. Right, because she's, I mean, I'm the princess. I'm the princess, like, I can what do whatever I want. Exactly. <laughs> but of course, many people disagreed, especially um, some of the priests who saw their own power diminishing because of, as we know, in biblical times and, and even now, but like in biblical times specifically, the priests just had a lot of power. Mm -hmm. So when her husband Ahab dies in battle and Ahab was the king, so when the husband Ahab dies in battle, Jezebel's son Ahaziah succeeded to the throne. So now her son is the king because her husband died. 
Two years later, he dies in a quote-unquote accident, falling from a very high balcony in the palace. It's very mysterious. And her second son, Joram, became king. But after a couple of years, he was also murdered in a palace coup led by, the sen- led by a sinister man named Jehu. So at this point, she's lost her husband. She's mm-hmm. lost two of her kids to some weird, weird deaths. And Jezebel is cornered, right? Because she's all about power and she's all about me, me, me. Right. So, and the second death was by someone else. So now it's kind of like someone trying to inch their way in or take right, over Right, right. Take all her power. So now she's cornered. And um, basically, sir, her, tam- her turn came next. So in a violent struggle at the palace, Jezebel was flung by her own eunuchs, which is eunuchs are like, um, what do you call them? Like assistants? Yeah. Like helpers. <laughs> servants like palace, in the palace. palace servants. Yeah. yeah. So um, Jezebel was flung by her own eunuchs from a high balcony down into the stone courtyard below. So um, she died, literally. And she died while like insulting Jehu. Still. Who, yeah, exactly. So she died cursing him, like literally falling from a balcony. And then specifically, so Jehu, after she, she fell from the balcony, Jehu, right, the guy that she was insulting and cursing out as she was falling very mm-hmm. dramatically ran iron wheeled chariot back and forth over her dying body and then left to go celebrate that she was dead yeah yeah like whoa that's, that's intense that's insane um as like after he went to the party so he later remembers that she's oh wait her like she's dead in the courtyard yeah like he did all this and went to celebrate and forgot like her body was just laying out there yeah like oh wait like yeah she we have to go do something about that he ordered that she be buried but the dogs had dogs had gotten to her body first and by the time he got back all that remained was um her head in her hands should we put like an explicit like a warning because it's so gruesome insane that's like this was not like oh wow she fell and she died this is like beyond yeah beyond insane it's insane it's just it just starts out as a bad story right Yeah, yeah um but what does this story teach us? Let's just bring this all back There's in. There's a lot. In. Let's in this just story. yeah. So what does the story teach us? So she was not number one. She wasn't in the will of God, which is obvious, right? She was following uh, Baal, which was one of the um, like the pagan gods that they had. Um, she only thought of herself, and her actions were selfish and self-serving, which we can see where um, in the situation with the plot of land, where she was like, "Oh, you're not gonna listen to my dad. Oh, okay, well we're just gonna have you killed." Oh, and then. Um, she was wanting of course in in regards to like the lineage all of her kids would have succeeded the throne anyway right right but they were terrible and so was she yeah so so it didn't help no no and um the people around her were similar like jehu and so they responded with violence which she ultimately brought up upon her death so um it was just a whole dramatic um circle cycle a whole dramatic cycle of violence right mm-hmm. that started probably with her dad and then just continued down not only the lineage but the people that surrounded themselves yeah like, like she wasn't around like, like people who serve god either so right. they weren't there it's like to support. i'm a cheat you're a cheat i'm a murder you're a murder so who's the worst yeah, murderer i want to steal the throne you want to steal the throne yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was terrible um so this just um basically just falls back down to the fact that she wasn't in the will of god and she was just wilding out and doing whatever she wanted yeah and that got her throw off uh, a balcony and then and by dogs Bruce, uh, very terribly died um like beyond <laughs> right so that was very dramatic yeah and these these stories aren't necessarily gonna have happy endings so if you're waiting for that it's not it's not yeah gonna happen. i don't i don't think any of these do some yeah. of them are not yeah i think jezebel's is probably the worst off, happy stories though but but we can learn from from their mistakes and yeah. their situations yeah just, uh just, but yeah she was just terrible yeah 
just hold on. Like, <laughs> like as you read it, like there's no redeeming quality of her. You're like, not so. So much. When, when does she do anything nice? No, never. No. She just dies. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So moving on uh, to the next one. Uh, it's Potiphar's wife. So the Bible doesn't give us her name um, for her, uh, but you find her story in Genesis 39. Um, so if you have heard heard of her um, or have you heard of the story of Joseph, you probably would have heard of her. This has to do with Joseph. Uh, so just a little backstory, I guess. Joseph, which was a son of Rachel, uh, had been sold into slavery and had been taken to Egypt. And so Potiphar... Uh, bought him and so he was uh, an Egyptian officer so he kind of like high up had money and so he bought Joseph Uh, while he's in Egypt uh, God continues to bless Joseph in this house but then uh, Potiphar has this wife who's very beautiful very like you know nice looking she's in the palace or you know his house all the time uh, and so she begins to notice Joseph and lust after him and to the point where she was like obsessed with him because she would constantly uh, like pressure him and be like, come lie with me. And he's like, no, like, I don't want to be with you. Like, you're my boss's wife. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, plus, like, going to kill me. What do you mean? Yeah. Plus, like, he like feared God. So he's like, I'm not going to do this. Um, But she kind of got tired of waiting around, of just pressuring him. And so one day, uh, it was just them two in the house, at least where they were at. And so she tried to, like, physically grab him. And so he got all riled up and fled. Like, he just left. Uh, But in the incident altercation, he kind of left some stuff behind. Um, And so because she felt very humiliated... Um, and wanted, like, revenge against him for, like, I guess not accepting her advances. Um, She kind of told everybody that he had tried to rape her and take advantage of her. And so when her husband came home, she kind of told the same story uh, that he had tried to take advantage of her. And so, of course, Potiphar was very upset and, you know, went after Joseph for that uh, to put him in prison. And so this is... This is the story that we hear from her. Um, we don't really hear much after that. Uh, the story goes on uh, with Joseph and kind of what happened to him. Uh, so we just know that she accused him of that. Uh, but we can learn from this. Um, the fact that she didn't have her eye on God, like she was very much seeking her own gratification and being led by her flesh. So she had persisted with Joseph um, and he ultimately did flee her. Um, but you know, she did kind of, she became like a stumbling block for Joseph, um, in this instant because he, she said something and lied about him that, you know, then hindered him in the future. Um, but just so you know, like, even with all that, that happened, like Joseph still had a, like God still had a plan for Joseph. So even though she tried to like get in the way and do what she wanted to do, like that didn't stop whatever was happening with Joseph and what God's plan was for him. But just goes to show you like the things that can happen when you try to do it your own way or try to follow what you want. Um, You can become a stumbling block uh, with yourself and even with others. So she she was just a little crazy. She was. And it's one of those things where I think we've talked about it before where they said, um, I've heard it in sermons, Mm -hmm. 
they say that um, the king liked Joseph so much because he could have killed oh, yeah, him, yeah. right? So to like appease his wife, he's like, I like him. He's a good guy. I don't think he would do that. But if you said he did it, you're my wife, whatever. Like, I need to be all kingy. So yeah. let me just send him to prison. So he just sent him to prison, but he yeah. could have killed him. Oh, yeah, so for sure. It's just, I think that's, a, that's an interesting part of the story to where that, you know, of course, God still has a plan, but it just could have gone so many different ways. And um, yes, definitely. Like, it would have been cool if that part was in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. He's talking that. to his best friend. He's like, man, I'm going to have to send her to prison because she's, just, I mean, she's annoying me. <laughs> she's lying on him. He's my friend. Yeah, I like, like him. He's I can't good. Kill him. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to send him to prison. Yeah. So that's, it's an interesting part yeah, of the story. Yeah, that is true. Because yeah. And that's I just something we're inferring. That's not in the Bible. Let me just be clear. Yeah. But it's just. But you read other stories where things like this happen or you right. know about the time uh, and kind of the practices that were done and. They were not hesitant to kill anybody. Right. Uh, so you uh, offending and obviously coming on, quote unquote, coming on to her. Uh, if that was the story that she said, it could very easily be believed yes. that, yes, that's what you did. I don't need to know anything else. Like yeah, she's, let's kill him. She's higher up than you are because yeah. you're just a, a, a servant here, a slave uh, in my house, and she's my wife. So I'm going to believe her and I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like he had already built this rapport with with the boss, right? And so he's like, mm, I, I know him, <laughs> and so you kind of see the favor that he had. So even though he went to prison, like the alternative was death. What is was death? Yes, yes. And God knows what sort of death because you know, yeah, who knows? These, these biblical times ain't no joke. Oh yeah. The next one that we have is gonna be Lot's wife, and again, this is similar to Potiphar's wife. We have no idea what this woman's name is. She belongs to Lot. <laughs> this is his wife. I don't. I don't know. Part of Lot's family. Yeah, I have no idea what her name is. But this happens in Genesis. So, Lot's wife, um, again, unnamed woman, mentioned in the Bible very few times. We don't really know that much about her. Mm-hmm. And she's first mentioned in Genesis when her husband is told to take her and her daughters out of the city of Sodom. So, a little bit of backstory. Abram, right, which later becomes Abraham and Lot flee Egypt and they have a conflict where they have to separate and that's just that there's just details in there that you can just read on your own if you'd like but basically they were just they were just too successful together and they had too many cattle and too many things just things were and going they, on yeah things were going on they had to separate so Abram has to go one place and then Lot has to go the other so what happens is um in the conversation Abram says he said listen one of us has to go to the right and one of us has to go to the left so in this um conversation Lot decides to to go and live in Sodom so everyone is well and out in Sodom and 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 I'm, maybe you've heard this before but it's a Sodom and Gomorrah and it's a whole thing it's there's mm-hmm. just there's just there's just not good things just, going on in these they're places. just wild they're wild yeah so everyone he's in that area right so Lot lives there now and the Bible says that Abraham um or Abram was not able to find even 10 righteous men among those of the land it was bad they was bad it was bad because God was like oh, okay well I mean I won't kill him but just find like 10 righteous people he couldn't. He couldn't even get um, to him. Yeah, he couldn't. So God tells Lot that he has to take his family and leave Sodom because the people are wicked. And then um, two angels appear, and like this is throughout the story, and we're just trying to be concise just to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. But basically, two angels appear to Lot, and basically are like, hey, God's about to do his thing because these people are just walling out doing whatever it is that they want. So you have to take your family and you have to leave because right. God's trying to protect you. So the angel tells him, he says, run for your lives and don't look back. Specifically, okay? In quotes. Yeah. 
run for your lives and don't look back. This is right. And we talk about certain instructions. When exactly. God gives you instructions, like God is very specific. You, you need to, yeah, you he need said, to follow into the team. And he sent his homies, the angels, yeah. right, to run don't for your lives back. and don't look back. Yeah. So Lot says, "Okay, cool." So he grabs his wife. He grabs his kids. And while they're running, Lot's wife looks back at the city while it's burning and turns into a whole pillar of salt. Yeah. I done told you not to look back. The two things I said, run and don't look she back. She got one of them right. She got... <laughs> well, she stopped running because she had to look back. Potentially the most important, which was not to look back. She did it. And then she turned into a pillar of salt. Now for this story, I just want to add that I looked to see kind of what the pillar of salt represented. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the pillar of salt. Basically, it was just based on disobedience. Right. right. You disobeyed, so now you're... This is the consequence. This is the consequence. You're a salty pillar. whole pillar pillar of salt. I don't know what to tell you. It's just very dramatic. Yeah. It's very dramatic. And it seemed very simple. Like, listen, people in here are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and I just need you to leave in order to... I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you and your whole family. What I found interesting, though, as I was reading it right now, is that... The angel gives, and this is what the Bible says, but the angel gives the instructions to Lot. We don't know if the wife is there, like near him, or if if she got the information secondhand, or if the wife was, because we don't know that much about her, right? No, no. So maybe she was, she was comfortable in Sodom, right? Maybe she's like, these are yeah, my we people. don't know her situation. Like, like I went to Carol's fine. birthday yesterday, the baby shower last week. Like I love living here. Yeah, they're crazy, but I right. Like them. So maybe like if one of those things where like Lot had a relationship with God, but like his maybe his wife didn't, mm-hmm. or it was just I don't know things that my mind went to because I'm like, why would you look back? But I don't know. Anyway, the some named woman is now a pillar of salt. But what does the story teach us? So this story teaches us that if God removes us from a certain place, a person, or a specific situation, we should not go back to it. Similar to Elisha, the prophet Elisha, when um, he was called by Elijah and he was, um, if you remember the story, he was just uh, plowing and Elijah calls him and tells him basically, hey, this is what you're called for. He burns the plow, turns around and doesn't look back. Right. And um, basically it's a situation where we should stay away from what God has already rejected. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if he's if if there's two scenarios here where either I put myself in this situation or it's a situation that God put me in so I can grow, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless, if he's already pulled you out of a situation, you shouldn't go there's back, no point right? Right, there's no point in going back, back because he's back. already removed you. And the fact, if you go, if you go back, it might probably end up worse than if you yes. just kept, if you yeah. just kept pushing, you know what I mean? So if, if you feel like in your life, God's called you out of a situation or called out of a relationship or out of a job or whatever, just don't try to go back. The door is closed. Just don't do it because it's just going to hurt more. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Don't do that. Don't become a pillar of salt. <laughs> don't be salty, bro. <laughs> don't be salty. Yeah. In the bad way. Exactly. In where, the bad way. Where you want to still live in the past. Exactly. Don't, the don't get stuck there. Yeah, for sure. So the next uh, person we're talking about is Athaliah. Um, so we find her story in Second Kings uh, chapter 11. Uh, her name actually means afflicted by God. Uh, and she was a queen of Judah uh, back in like 800 something BC. Okay, uh, she was the only monarch to sit on David's throne, uh, based on biblical history. Uh, so she was a daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, the one we talked about just a couple times ago. Uh, and she married someone named Jerem. Yeah. We'll say Jerem, who was the king of Judah, uh, and then he died somewhere like in the mid um, 800 BC. 
Uh, and then Jerem was an, e- he was actually an evil king and he had a son, Ahaziah, who became king uh, when he was 22. Uh, and he was an evil king, just like his dad. So all these generational things, you know, where they just pass down all these like evil things and and negative lifestyles. Um, so Azalea counseled her son, uh, kind of encouraged him in his devilish ways and his schemes. And Ahaziah served as king of Judah for less than a year, and then he was assassinated. So when Athaliah received word that her son was dead, she seized the opportunity to um, usurp the throne uh, by murdering um, Ahaziah's sons, so her own grandsons. Yes. So they would take the throne because since he was king. Right. Uh, but she didn't want that. So she... Uh, Seems like she's taking some things after her mother. <laughs> sounds sounds familiar. Sounds similar. A sounds little similar. bit. Yeah. Some murdery yeah, stuff. Some, sounds like the craziest generation. <laughs> yeah. Runs in the family, unfortunately. So yeah, so she basically eliminated her entire, like the entire royal family. So that way she could take the throne. Like, oh, there's no it's more men. Oh, Me. they disappeared. Oh, oh wow. I will reluctantly take it. I guess I'll help you out. <laughs> she was very hesitant, as you can see. Uh, just killing everybody so she can do it. Uh, but unbeknownst to her, a single grandchild did escape through the whole massacre. So when they were being all murdery, one of them did uh, escape. So Jehosheba, baby's aunt, so she took him and hid him, basically kept him in like her bedroom. Later, he was he was smuggled out of the castle and then taken to the temple where he remained there for six years. Um, and this during this time, uh, Queen Athalia reigned over the land. So she had no idea this grandson had escaped um, and was staying with an aunt. Um, and then they took him to the temple to kind of be, be there, kind of, you know, hiding him basically uh, from her so she wouldn't know. Uh, so as queen, she used her influence to further establish um, Baal worship. So like we said, Baal was a god um, during that time, a pagan god. And so she just continued on <laughs> again from her mom, uh, keeping this uh, worship to this god. Um, so she was uh, installing priests and building altars to her idols in the temple of, of God, the temple of the Lord. So in this way, Athaliah followed the footsteps of her mom, Jezebel. Uh, but she kind of went beyond and was building altars and doing all these weird things for her, for her God. Um, so after Athaliah had reigned for six years, a high priest... So after Athaliah had reigned for six years, uh, the high priest Jehoiada set guards around the temple and then publicly crowned the young Joash, uh, which was the grandson, as the rightful king. Uh, So as a new king was anointed, the people clapped their hands and shouted, long live the king. And so Athaliah heard the commotion. She then, that's when she realized what had happened and then ran out of the palace shouting, treason, treason, because obviously she was upset that she no longer was going to be queen. And Jehoiada commanded the troops to capture her and execute her. And so they killed the queen and Joash became the king. So she kind of... Her throne was stolen by like a six-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this kid. That's crazy. They're like, we dislike you so much. We are going to let a child rule us. (laughs) I was about to say, I was like, this is like a grown person. You are so terrible. (laughs) She reigned for six years. Can you imagine like... You've been here way too long. Yeah. Like, like in the six years, you did not redeem That's yourself crazy. to the point where we're like, we want a child. Yeah, we're literally over we here. We don't want to you. Grow faster, child. Yeah. Grow, grow yeah. faster. Can you just talk? Yeah. Can you Speak. Have, 
full sentences. Yeah. That's all we need. I can't imagine. So can you imagine being six years old and be like, you're king? What does that even mean? Yeah. Okay. But that's that's what happened. Yep. Um, so that just kind of gives you an insight of who she was and what kind of queen she was. If they were quick to uh, dethrone her uh, and even execute her because she had done all these terrible things uh, to get to where she was. Uh, so we see that Athalia followed again in the footsteps of her mother, uh, Jezebel. She's being deceitful, worshiping other gods. We can see this or at least take it as an example for those other parents. This is a good way to look at how to be mindful of what you show your children or how easily like the things that you do, uh, like your children pick up and also follow. So just sending the example, um, knowing that they're looking at you and picking up and acknowledging the things that you do, that can then, they will continue on. Uh, So for Jezebel, she showed that example. She was that evil person, a very negative, very deceitful. um, And you see that carry on with her daughter to the point that she was killing her own grandkids, you know, just to to have that power and so being blinded by it uh, but you know it's what she learned it's right. what she was surrounded it's by it's definitely what she saw yeah for yeah. sure so just being mindful that kids see you and it's important what you what you portray and what, who you are in front of them yeah and in this story specifically because um, we're not parents but in this story we're just yeah. trying to relay what, what what you can plainly see because you know the, the mom did yeah. it and then the daughter did it so it's it's obvious however I think this applies to all of us where we just have to be careful about what we're doing because someone is always watching you regardless yeah. if you know that or not and, or whether you're um, a parent or not like we're right. not parents but we know there's people who might be looking at us whether it's family like younger siblings right. or just people around us who who see us and know like who we are in the church or just who we're at work wherever that may be um you know someone might be looking at you yes yes so you always want to try and set the best example we're not we're not going to be perfect and we say that all the time because we're not but we just have to be careful and mindful of of um you know what we're portraying and what we're accepting into our lives especially because we we publicly identify as christians and so if we behave a certain way people will think you know because it's very easy to generalize and people will say like oh well all christians must be like this Mm -hmm. or because fran does it she like i'll do it and it's it that's just we just have to be careful yeah it's a slippery slope yeah little things become big things yep all right so the next one that we're going to talk about her name is tamar now just some bible trivia for you (laughs) there are three tamars in the bible which i didn't know when we we first started looking into this we're like we did not what know. is Once this like another marriage? because we we knew there was a tamar now when we were trying to plan this episode i think in both of our heads it was a different tamar but we still thought we were talking about the same one yeah. no there's three different ones so let's be clear so the one we're specifically going to talk about she appears in genesis and um we're going to talk about the daughter-in-law of judah that's just the one we're going to talk about if you would like to google and see who the other two are, feel free to do so. So, Jacob's son, Judah, had three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. A woman named Tamar married Ur, but then Ur died, leaving Ur. her a widow. Ur, he died. Ur, like literally this man's name is E-R. I can't. It's <laughs> we just, can't make that it's up. It's just Ur. So, since it was required that the next of kin care for the brother's widow, so Ur's brother had to marry her. So, Tamar was given to Onan, but he also died. There was something Terrible going luck. on. Something Terrible going on. luck. There was something in the water. Yeah. The last son, which was the youngest one, his name is Shayla, 
was still a boy and couldn't marry Tamar. So Judah, who's the father-in-law, asked her to return to her father's house and wait until Shelah was grown up. So basically, this child is a kid, right? The two older other brothers died, and he said, listen, go back to your parents' house. Whenever he's like 15 or however old <laughs> or he 17 needs to be or to whatever, marry, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm a page you. Now listen, we're not saying this is the way it should be. This is just the way it was. Right, we're right. Just this stating is, biblical yes. facts. Let me uh, caveat. That's great. That's a great point. The Bible is can be listen, different times. Teachy, okay. Different times. It can be descriptive or it can be prescriptive, right? So it can either tell you what is happening in the time or it can tell you what to do. In this case. <laughs> My beautiful ladies and gentlemen, it is not telling us what to do. No. It is just telling us what was happening at the time. Yes. It's just giving us context, cultural yeah. context. Cultural context. Great. You just married the next one. Exactly. And unfortunately, the next one was a kid. The so. next one was a child. So he said, listen, go to your parents' house. I'm going to text you when he's old <laughs> enough. And then we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to do the, what is the smoke? I'm going to send you smoke some sign. smoke signals. Yes. And then, and then you'll marry him. So that... Did, it didn't go to plan because Shayla, um, when he was old enough, the father-in-law decided to not honor the promise. So mm-hmm. we don't know if he forgot. We don't know if he just decided like, ah, she probably married somebody else by now. It's been a minute. We just don't know. Yeah. yeah. Cause we don't know how much, how much time actually passed. We just know so, he was young, but we don't know. Exactly. exactly. So the father-in-law Judah, he decides not to honor the promise. And then Tamar basically remains an unmarried widow. And if you know anything about the context in the Middle East and all these things that were happening, that just wasn't a good status to have. Right. Right. Because right. mm-hmm. you didn't have anyone to care for you, to provide for you. You don't inherit land. Mm-hmm. You just, it was terrifying, I'm sure. Which is why I'm sure they had this weird law where you just yeah. stayed in the family and yeah. married just the next one. Just keep marrying the next one. Just keep yeah. marrying the next one. But unfortunately, they just kept dying. Yeah. So Tamar said, uh-uh, uh-uh, Judah. I'm not having this. Nope. So she goes into the town. And she disguises herself as a prostitute. Now, how you disguise yourself as a prostitute, I don't know. But she does that. Well, it does say that she was dressed in like widow's clothing before, oh, she was like normally. In black or whatever. And then, and then to she do put this, on, she like, like a hot dress. Yeah, and heels, something and with like, a slit. I'm sure exactly, you know. She said, hey. <laughs> so she disguises herself as a prostitute, and she tricks the father-in-law Judah um, into sleeping with her. Now, how you do that? Without that's a whole noticing other story. That, that's your, that that's your whole daughter-in-law. I, like, I had sure. questions there, but we won't yeah. dive into that. We I'm won't sure it's dive whole into thing. it because, it'll, first of all, we could just talk forever. And second of all, it, I, I just don't I, I don't comprehend no. how it could happen. I don't So we're either. just going to move right along. Maybe it was like the Rachel Leah thing where she kept the veil on. Maybe. And never saw her face. Maybe. Maybe. Or it was just real dark, you know? Okay. There wasn't any electricity. Just so you know, these are just Fran and Yadi thoughts, not actual not Bible thoughts. Actual Bible God, thoughts. God, no, the Bible does not say this. So after sleep, so she sleeps, she tricks him into sleeping with her. So she sleeps with her father-in-law and she gets pregnant, right? Because mm-hmm. that just, it's just how it happens. Plus that's what she wanted. Exactly, this, exactly. Yeah. And she has, she, get pre- she gets pregnant with twins and she names the twins Perez and Zara. So that's kind of where the story Cute. just... Yeah, that's kind of where the story ends for Tamar. However, what is the story teaching us, okay? So, we would expect the sons of Judah's incestuous union (laughs) with his daughter-in-law to be outcast, right? Hidden away, or even, like, not even mentioned in the Bible, right? Because this is, this Mm -hmm. is, it was just, like, a sexual act that shouldn't have happened at all, right? Right. So, you would think that these kids wouldn't be important. But, the Bible, surprisingly, because God, through Perez, is is the lineage where Jesus actually comes from, which so is crazy. Because we talked about Rahab yes. last time, how she was a very unlikely uh, ancestor, ancestor yeah. of Jesus. And now here, here's and another here, one. Kind exactly, of. exactly. So this this guy's name is Perez. And through through the lineage, 
um, of Paris um, comes Jesus Christ, comes David, comes all these people, which mm-hmm. is amazing. So it teaches us that God didn't provide a cleaner, quote unquote, cleaner way to continue the line that would eventually lead to his son. Perez, as we said, was one of the ancestors of Jesus. And this story shows us that God's purpose is accomplished despite man's unrighteousness. Right. So mm-hmm. although we are completely unqualified to be used by God and we just mm-hmm. don't deserve it, he still uses us and makes his will come to pass regardless. Yeah. He makes and, the way. God. Yeah. Like, that's a whole hallelujah that break right amen. there. Amen. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not worthy, but I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm not worthy, but I'm grateful. Okay, so our next one is um, Herodias, um, and she uh, is in the New Testament, actually in the Gospels. Um, Herodias uh, is in the Bible and is notorious for being the woman who desired John the Baptist's head on a platter. So we might have kind of mentioned this in a previous episode. Uh, but she was the unlawful wife of Herod, who was the governor and had form- formerly been the wife of Herod's brother, Philip. Uh, so there's a lot going on already within the family, uh, within her husband. Uh, so historians indicate that Herod and Antipas and Herodias had an affair of sorts while her husband, Philip, was visiting Rome. And so Herodias then agreed to leave her husband in order to become Herod Antipas' wife. Whether it was motivated by lust or it was simply a power play, uh, the new marriage was not honorable. So they, people were not okay with it. Uh, John the Baptist, um, a.k.a. Cousin Johnny, publicly denounced uh, their adultery. So Herodias held a grudge against John and wanted, him, wanted to kill him. She was mad that she couldn't do whatever she wanted. Um, and he called her out on it. So, you know, she a little pissed. So Herod put John in prison for... You know, for her, like for her sake, um, but she, but he didn't kill him. So Herod put John in prison uh, for Herodias' sake, uh, but he didn't kill him just because he was afraid of the people. Uh, John had a lot of followers, um, and so he kind of, I guess, he didn't want like an uprise or someone coming after him. Uh, so instead of killing him, he just put him in jail. So Herod also seemed to believe that John was a righteous man. Um, so similar to like Joseph and Potiphar, um, you know, he, he knew John was a, a good man. And so he was, um, and so even though he was greatly puzzled by the things John said, he still liked to listen to him. Um, so he he liked him, I guess. He, he thought he was a righteous man. So he still, he didn't want to kill him. Uh, but finally, the opportunity, uh, the opportune time came for Herodias to uh, seek her revenge against old cousin Johnny. So during Herod's uh, birthday celebration, Herodias' daughter danced for the king and the guest, and pleasing Herod so much that he promised the girl whatever she wanted. She's like, oh, okay, well, thank you for doing this for us, and I in return will do a favor for you. So she consulted she, the girl, which was the daughter, um, consulted with her mother, Herodias. Um, and so the girl asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so Herod was just very sorry and distressed over the situation, but he had set it in front of all the guests and he had vowed to, like, whatever she wanted. And so he kind of had to fulfill this, this promise, this, you know, this thing that he had said. So Herod had John beheaded. And so John's head was then brought to the daughter. uh, And 
who gave it to her mom. So she gave it to Herodias. So the Bible doesn't tell us much about Herodias, but um, her actions recorded in the Gospels uh, just show her to be immoral, bitter, very manipulative, as we can see. Uh, John the Baptist was right to warn about um, about the wife and her wicked ways, and Herodias had plenty of opportunity to repent, uh, but rather than choose that, she just hardened her heart and stayed mad at John and then plotted his execution. Uh, so what do we learn from her? Another crazy lady here. Uh, so this reminds me of taking parts of the Bible that you agree with and then ignoring the other parts. So Herodias knew she was wrong and instead of repenting, which literally just means to turn, uh, she wanted to kill John to silence him. So regardless of John being dead or not, her actions were wrong. Uh, John, in this case, is like the Holy Spirit for us when um, he convicts us. So he called her out on what she was doing wrong. Uh, same way the Holy Spirit kind of nudges us and shows us um, where we might be wrong. So all we have to do is turn the other way and keep seeking God instead of trying to ignore that voice uh, that's, telling, that's telling you what you're doing wrong and hoping it goes your way. Uh, so there was John just trying to do the God thing yeah. and show her like this is not right and you need to do the right thing um and she didn't care and just continued on with her own thing and instead just held a grudge against him and yeah, ultimately being people of power you know what i mean like, yes abusing he, that power here's crazy john yelling from the street <laughs> and i'm like a king or a queen or whatever and you're just telling me i'm doing something wrong and it's just like yeah who are you like i yeah. can do whatever i want so, yeah. So I'm does. sure it like stung more just because she's oh, like, yeah. I'm like yeah. royalty and he here. Had his followers and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, un- and there was probably an underlying thing where it's like, oh, like he's telling the truth. Like this man doesn't lie. Right. Cause he was yeah. a man of a great reputation. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, like, the husband, you know, respected him. Yeah. And thought him so to it's be like, righteous. oh, he's calling me out. Yeah. I don't like this. Yeah. Oh, we got to kill him. You know, there's always this idea, like, because you're royalty or you're in a certain position, like, you shouldn't be called out. Right. But John's over here, like you said, it's kind of the Holy Spirit being like, it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. Like, you're just a person and you're doing something wrong. And you shouldn't do this. Yeah. And so she, instead of turning from it and being like, oh, yeah, you're right. She's like, nah, I'm mad at you. Exactly. (laughs) Now I'm going to kill you. you. Now you don't have a head. So that's... Poor John. Yeah, poor John. Yep. He did what was right. (laughs) He did. He tried. He did. Till his last breath. Yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap this list up, and the next one's name is Sapphira, and she appears in Acts. So Sapphira and her husband, um, this is what actually happened. So this is the event. So Sapphira and her husband, they have land, right? They sell the land, and then they give part of the proceeds to the church, right? So they give a specific amount of money to the church, but they keep some of it for themselves, right? Which they're free to do, and that's not a problem. The problem in the situation was that when they gave the money to the church, they said that it was the full amount right. that they sold the plot of land for. But what actually happened was they gave a percentage to the church and then kept the rest for themselves. So Simon Peter and all his aggressiveness, <laughs> right? He all com- his peterness. Yeah, and then all his peterness and all his stubborn peterness. He confronts Sophia's husband, Ananias, saying... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? So he confronts him. Now, the problem isn't that he didn't give all of the money to the church. The problem is that he gave some of the money to the church, kept the rest, and then lied about it. Right, pretended like that was all. That was the problem. So 
Simon Peter confronts him. He was like, hey, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why would you lie to yourself? Like, why would you do this, right? So Ananias hears this and literally drops dead right on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. He gets some. <laughs> he gets convicted so quick. So Oop, he's dead. Like extreme conviction yeah. where he dies. Yeah. 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 Like, ex- like conviction on steroids. Yeah. So three hours later um comes Safira. she doesn't know that her husband is dead right so she shows up she's gonna she's talking to simon peter and she um simon peter confronts her too and he says tell me is this the price you and ananias got for the land right so he's giving her a chance because he's yeah. like so your husband lied are you about to lie too so he asks her the question and she said yeah for sure that's the price yeah that's how much yeah as soon as she says this she dies too <laughs> bro what <laughs> so dramatic so um that literally that's the end of the story yeah yeah, yeah it's Her, very brief they lie uh, husband gets confronted he lies dies wife gets confronted lies dies dies yeah yeah, yeah that that's it that's so what she is was the story? A, she was a widow for three hours yeah she was a widow for three hours and she didn't even know it so what does the story teach us? So Safira and her husband conspire to deceive the church, but more significantly, they lie to the Holy Spirit, right? Because mm-hmm. they're actually, they, they, when they lied, it was like they believed it. They're like, oh yeah, yeah you yeah. know, this is what we did. This is, no. And then they told everybody. Exactly, exactly. So lie. in their case, lying to the Holy Spirit is punishable by death and immediate death. Um, and her story, so Safira's story is a picture of God's swift judgment and reminds us that without the saving power of Jesus, punishment is inevitable. So this doesn't mean that if you do something wrong or if you're lying, you're going to fall right dead, you know, on the spot. Mm-hmm. What it's teaching us is that um, God does, he does not condemn us, but however, there is punishment for doing wrong, right? Like it's the consequence. There, there's a consequence. That's the word. There's a consequence for um doing something wrong and doing it wrong willingly right because that's what they did right and even though simon peter gave them an opportunity to be like hey to complain, you know, yeah. my bad this is what happened they still didn't do that and so it's just it's it's very harsh um and it's not necessarily saying that this is what's going to happen to you however it is just explaining to us that there is a consequence for um uh not making a mistake but doing things deliberately doing things deliberately like incorrectly and deliberately yeah and we don't know the situation here and we know that we don't really know much context like this is just like this is just the nitty-gritty yeah this is the snippet that we Mm -hmm. hear uh so we don't know what kind of position they had in the church what kind of you know relationship they had with god how deep they were into this um if this had happened before you know there's all these yeah, other factors if, we don't know if they were pathological liars like, <laughs> yeah maybe you know, like, this was like the last straw and god's like i'm giving you one more try exactly one more chance and if you don't you're gonna drop dead yeah you know, we're, that not, kind of we're thing. not sure about that point. um but yeah it's it's crazy because yeah it's, i mean it shows also like god always gives us another chance so it's up to us if we want to like take that chance and be honest with god and he or she just decided to keep online they're like no i'm good Yep. So we wanted to bring you this list today. Um, we hope that you found it entertaining because, um, you know, we don't always want to. There, there isn't always like a happy ending to the story. Yeah. Not However, peachy. Yeah, but there's always a lesson, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible is always trying to teach us something, and it's it's doing it in a purposeful way. So hopefully, you learned something from these women. But the closing thought that we have for today is going to be from C.S. Lewis. It says, "Evil comes from the abuse of free will." And this just goes back to, I think this ties in really well to all the stories that we've talked about today, where all of these women were just blatantly doing whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. They were not under the will of God. And 
um, you can see how very specifically like they were either it was very um, it was all about self-interest but it was all about power or manipulation mm-hmm. or this is what I want this is what I want to do this is what I want to achieve and you can just you can just tell that they were in it only for themselves right and that's 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 what free will is right it's the yeah the power to choose whether I want what I want or what God wants right and they chose themselves yes so yes and we see where that ends up. That leads them. So this is your intervention, friends. Yeah. <laughs> turn. Repent. Turn. Turn. That's all. That's all we're saying here. Is yeah, turn. yeah. 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 You can any, turn. Any you degree. Can, you can. You can turn, and you can turn whenever you want. Um, but just um, yeah, surrendering to God just makes everything a lot easier. And if you've never tried it, maybe try it and, yeah. and see what happens. Because God's right there. He's just waiting for you to turn. He is. He's been next to you this whole time. But um, yeah, we hope this was beneficial to you. We hope that you enjoyed um, you learned something. learning about the bad girls of the Bible. And I'm sure there's so much more. So we might do a part two of this. We'll see. As always, this is Fran. This is Yelly. We are the Midtown Misfits and we will see you next week. Okay, bye. Peace.